Loved, cherished, comforted. Welcome to the podcast ministry of Our Resolute Hope, where you will find grace, not just a concept or a doctrine of grace, but a person, a person whose name is Jesus, a person who brings hope, a determined, resolute hope that can sustain you and empower you to live courageously in this fallen world. Join us now as we learn more about Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, and our life. Oh, dear ones, thanks again for joining us on this episode of the Our Resolute Hope podcast. John Russin here, my partner in crime, Pastor Frank Friedman, getting his cabinets fixed today. How are things going, my friend? They're working hard and fixing things up the way they're supposed to be, Lord willing. <laughs> yeah, got to have cabinets, got to have doors that work. So, Frank, last time we were talking about a very charged word in Scripture, obedience. And we debunked all the wrong definitions in our episode, and uh, we described it as a beautiful word that it displays the intimate relationship between two devoted lovers, uh, Jesus, our bridegroom, and us, his beloved bride. And we saw that it means to listen under, Frank, you defined that so clearly, to just listen carefully under. And we saw that it had no definition of lockstep compliance, no standard conformance to an external code of behavior. It's just an individual conversation between our Lord and us that leads us to become the unique expression of his life. And Frank, it's kind of like a kaleidoscope, isn't it? You know, this is another example from a, an entry in our upcoming devotional. Kaleidoscope is a good picture here of God expressing his life and his light through each one of us individually when we obey. Yeah, I love to watch a little kid with the kaleidoscope. And honestly, when I look at a kaleidoscope, I guess I become like a little kid because we see these beautiful individual pieces that together form a dynamic and constantly changing expression. And, you know, you rotate it and you watch it and you ooh and ah, and then what you see, you want others to see, you know, lamb, come here, look at this. And the key, John, is that group expression could not occur without each individual. You know, one little piece of glass out of that kaleidoscope and the total image of the church gets minimized. That's the way it is for us. And so one of the things about obedience that I think people fail to recognize is that when we listen to the voice of God, he works uniquely through us as individuals, calling us to be who we were created to be, to live in different paths and in different ways than other people might have done it. And, and obedience, uh, the way the church tends to use it, makes everybody look the same, think the same, and act the same. And that's boring. But a true understanding of listening under the voice of God is actually a calling out for us to be who he created to be and respond to his voice in, in uniqueness, but certainly in the same holiness and character as everyone else, because he would never speak his voice to call us away from who he is and what he desires us to be. A phrase popped into my head, and it was from some book I read. I don't even know who wrote it or when I read it, 
But the phrase went something like this. We become more alike in character, but more varied in our expression of him in us. And so it's perfectly all right to be different based on what we like, what we do, because his character in us is going to manifest his life through our unique personality. So I love your focus, Frank, on the uniqueness, because this is not a cookie cutter faith that we have. Yes. And I can't stress enough, John, how, again, this is an intimate relationship. Listen to my voice. I always have what's best for you. I'm going to lead you into a place where you'll discover more of me and, and you'll discover more of who you are in me and you'll blossom more fully. And it's just a sad thing that the word has been so corrupted to become something so sterile and cold and harsh and creating such a fearful attitude whenever we hear the word. If you don't obey, you're going to die, that kind of a thing. And sadly, so we a lot of churches and especially Bible teachers have used the word. Yeah, it's really sad. I want to look at a few verses today, Frank. And I want to begin with one that's kind of just the opposite of what we just described. Obedience, listening under really is. You know this verse. It's from 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22. Samuel's talking to Saul, and he says this. Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, and this is the one we all know, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen to the fat of rams. Now, a bit of background here for our listeners. God had told Saul to destroy the Amalekites. Saul didn't do that. He kept the king alive and he kept some of the livestock and then he blamed it on the people. And so he didn't listen carefully under God. He just did what he thought was right in his own eyes. So Frank, this is just exactly the opposite of the intimate relationship we've been talking about, isn't it? Yeah, John. And honestly, you picked a hard one, but it's a good one. (laughs) Because a lot of people, it brings up questions. You know, people would look at this and say, why would God destroy completely a people? And we have to go into history and scripture and see what had happened. The Amalekites were always a thorn in the flesh to the nation of Israel. They were constantly fighting against them. But the greater issue was the influence of the gods, the false gods they brought to Israel. And I would say maybe an analogy would be like this, John, that the Amalekites were like a cancer. And, you know, you can't treat cancer partially because then the cancer will remain and spread again. The cancer has to be completely eradicated. And God knows far beyond what we know. You know, people start to question, well, what doesn't God love the Amalekites? Well, of course he loves the Amalekites, but he knows the Amalekites better than we do. And he knows whether or not they'll repent. And and so don't get lost in the weeds here. Let's kind of focus on Saul. And he told him to wipe them out because of being a cancer. Of course, as you shared, he didn't do it. And so Samuel was told by God to go. and, And he said, Saul's first words were, 
Hail, Samuel, I've obeyed the voice of the Lord. And Samuel says, well, then why am I hearing all, why am I hearing all those sheep in the background? And he says, oh, uh, well, you know, we're going to offer those to God. And he says, no, you were told to wipe them out. And he says, oh, well, um, the people made me do it. Well, no, Saul, you're the king. Uh, okay, well, all right, I did it, but build me back up in front of the people. And we can see there that what was really going on, if we tie it into our discussion last week and earlier today, Saul's heart wasn't really near to God. He had a way that seemed right to his own eyes. He heard the voice of God, but he didn't heed the voice of God. He wanted to do what he wanted to do. And I personally, if I could put my opinion, I think he was keeping the best of everything for himself and for his own glory. But when Samuel confronted him, then he, of course, came out, well, we're going to sacrifice him. And that's when Samuel offers those famous words. No, no, no. Obedience is far better, far more important than sacrifice. Indeed. You're showing Saul that your heart is very far from God. And that's what the real problem was. Yeah. You know, Frank, last time we talked about consequences and we saw the consequences in our lives when we listen under our father. You know, we become his dependent children who trust him for everything. We learn to delight to do his will. And, and this is the greatest thing. He transforms us into people who love others the way he loves us. But what we see in Saul is just the opposite. You know, there's a passage in Isaiah 29 that sort of hits Saul right on the head like a hammer hits a nail. And uh, it's, it's this, because this people draw near with their mouth and honor me with their lips while their hearts are far from me. And their fear of me is a commandment taught by men. So not only are they setting their eyes off of God, but they're setting their eyes on what others tell them. So they're completely avoiding turning from the voice of their father. And they're listening under a commandment taught by men which is instilling fear and the voice of our father never instills fear in us. So the consequences for not listening under Frank can be far more than just not liking to do his will and not loving as well as we should. We can become far from him. We can drift. We can set our eyes, our mind on other than God, and we can miss it. We can leave so much on the table but we can also gather so much that hurts us spiritually. Did I get that right? Yeah, you know, John, when our hearts are far from God, let's just put this into practical terms. If I'm a far distance from you, I'm not going to be able to hear your voice. You know, I can't hear your voice from Tucson right now. To be able to hear a voice, you have to be close to that person. And that's physically true, but that's also emotionally true in relationship. It's the basis behind the desire for intimacy. I've got to be close to you in order to hear you. And if I don't hear you, then I forfeit what you want to say to me. And that's what this is really all about. 
in the person of Christ, John, God has come near. But we have to receive his nearness. We have to stay close to his nearness. And that's why throughout the scripture, there are warnings. Guard your heart. Set your mind. Do not love the world. Because God's intent for us is always good, always best, always right for us. And to listen to any other voice, to walk away, we'll forfeit that good, that right, that best. And it's not so much that God becomes angry. It's simply a matter of not partaking of what he offers. I read in the New Testament that God is grieved with us when we sin. And, you know, John, as a father, this is how I've come to understand that. I might tell my child to do something when my child does the exact opposite. Yeah, I might be angry for a while, but the bigger issue of my heart is grief. And the grief is that they have to suffer the consequences for failing to hear my voice. It's really an issue of love for them. It's not an, a matter of egoism here. It's total and complete love. I'm so sorry, my child. I'm grieving that you have to go through what you're going through because your heart was far away from my heart for you. And that caused you to not listen to my voice. Yeah. That's the way I see God working in these passages. Indeed, the heart of our father, uh, is just so intimate, so patient, so long-suffering, so willing to meet us wherever we are and to take whatever we offer and receive it and then begin to use that to change us. Mm. Uh, so that, as we talked about last time, so that we'll learn to trust him more and learn to listen more carefully. So Frank, there's another verse that I want to talk about today that's actually the opposite of what we saw with Saul first Samuel. And this is John 14. Hmm. And the words of Jesus uh, sort of captured exactly what we've been talking about last episode. And this, uh, if you love me, Jesus said, you'll keep my commandments. Now unpack that for us, Frank. What is he talking about? Is he talking about hmm. the 10 commandments or all the 613 laws and the old covenant? What's he talking about? Well, I think that would be a yes. But I think it goes far beyond that to all the imperatives of the New Testament, because those imperatives, and that's one of the things people have to understand, we have been delivered from the law in Christ as a means of gaining merit or acceptance or salvation before God. Jesus accomplished that for us. That's why he said it is finished. We are fully restored to God, intimate with God, in fellowship with God, and can never lose any of that. But we can certainly fail to experience it. That's why God speaks. And in these imperative verbs, he says, don't go here. Don't go there. I need you to go to this place. I need you to do this. Because these are words of life. One way we could look at these imperatives is they are promises. Whenever we see something like don't steal, 
Well, uh, that's a promise that God's going to provide everything you need. You don't have to steal. So these are always calling us back to the goodness of God and who he is desirous of being to us when we walk by faith. So again, John, it's coming back to love. His love is speaking to us how to live. And we live by faith and trust him to fulfill the righteousness of his own life in and through us. Yes. You know, I've listened to you talk, Frank, and uh, I'm remembering the exchange between Jesus and the lawyer in Matthew 22, when he asked Jesus, hey, which is the greatest commandment? And Jesus quickly responds, love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul and all your mind. And then he said, there's another commandment just like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And so love is the core, the basis for all the law and all the prophecies. And then he sums that up, Frank, in John 13, when he says, I'm going to give you a new commandment that you love one another, not as you love yourself, but love others as I have loved you. So this is where I see it will be impossible for us to satisfy this new commandment, to love others as Jesus has loved us, unless we learn to listen under him so that he changes us. He changes how we think, how we act, how we behave toward others, how we consider other people. He changes all that so that we become more like him. Uh, and so unless we really allow ourselves or choose, not allow ourselves, choose to listen under him, Frank, we can't love, period. We can do some things, but we certainly cannot agape love, can we? Agape love is impossible without the person of agape love. God is love. We are not. But the glory of the new covenant is that we are placed in union with God. So his life becomes our life. His love is our love. And as we walk by faith, believing this is true, then the great lover loves in and through us to others. And that love, as Paul wrote, fulfills the righteousness of the law. And this is a, a concept, John, that so many people don't understand. When they look at, for example, the Ten Commandments, they see them as a call to conformity, a code to that places demand upon us. Nothing of the kind. All the Ten Commandments are, are a call to love. See, if I love you, I won't kill you. If I love you, I won't steal from you. If I love you, I won't covet what you have. If I love God, I won't put other gods before him. It's all love, John. And it's just love stated negatively. And at that point, people say, well, why would God do that? Well, think about it. When the law was given, man was separated from God by sin because of Jesus Christ had not come yet. So separated from God, we were separated from love. We didn't know what love was. So we had to put it in the negative. But now in Christ, we can love and we fulfill all righteousness. It's all about love, John. Obedience, let me put it this way, is simply the manifestation of a heart 
that loves God. That's all it is. Obedience is the manifestation of a heart that loves God and knows God. What a word. And as I look at the way the modern church uh, interfaces with the world, I don't see a lot of that, Frank. I see a lot of busyness. Mm -hmm. I see, you know, churches becoming social welfare centers, food banks, and, you know, they're doing all these things. But sometimes I tend to think that they're, they're looking at their relationship with their father more like Martha in Luke 10 than like Mary. Martha's anxious and troubled about many things, but he said, hey, listen, Martha, there's only one thing you need. And check out Mary. She has chosen that one thing. She is sitting there and she is listening under me. Wow. Mm-hmm. What a life-changing example Mary and Martha present to us. And you remember Jesus said this was the better thing. Interesting. I'm sure. And one thing I would want to say, John, I'm sure Mary later got up and served, but she took care of the priority first, which was listening, because listening is the only way to be living, because we now live from God, not for him, not a code to gain merit, but from him, from a relationship of intimacy. We talked a minute ago about obedience simply being a manifestation of a heart that knows and loves God. There is this passage in the Old Testament, it's Ezra 10. And I I like to go there because, and whenever I go to 1 Samuel 15, because it provides a huge contrast of how love is manifested in obedience. You know, Saul saying, oh, well, we were going to sacrifice to God. Oh, well, that was the people. Well, oh, well, it was me, but build me back up. And, you know, the man never got around to acknowledging his failure to really love God and honor God. Ezra, on the other hand, very different story. The people had been in captivity for 70 years. The temple had been destroyed. The law had been lost. So a couple of generations had gone by. When they were allowed to go back to the land and Ezra found the law, they called a public reading. And when he read the law, it said, you shall not have foreign wives. And the people said, we have foreign wives. What must we do? And Ezra said, the law says, put away your foreign wives. And listen to the response. The people in unison said, as thou hast said, we will do. They manifested a love and a trust in God and his word and said, there's no question here. We are the loved of God. And so we will listen to his voice and we will love him back with our lives. That's obedience. Wow. Perfect wrap up, my friend. Well, dear ones, thanks for joining us today on this episode of the Our Resolute Hope podcast. Uh, we trust that uh, Father has, has ministered to your heart today. Please spend a moment, check out our website, ourresolutehope.com, and visit us, if you will, on all of our social media platforms. We've been spending a bunch of time and effort trying to beef those up. I'm learning to be a graphic artist. So check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and our growing YouTube channel. And as we wrap up, Frank, we remind our listeners with the same reminder from Hebrews 6, 19, 
that we have a hope for an anchor for our souls, a living hope, a blessed hope, Paul told Titus. And this hope is Jesus. So today and always choose hope and choose Jesus. Thanks for listening. We trust that you've seen Jesus today. And you know that no matter what you're facing, he offers you himself, his own life. He wants to live his life with you, in you, and through you as you trust him and walk by faith in this troubled world. You've been listening to Our Resolute Hope Podcast. For more information, find us online at OurResoluteHope.com and check out our social media channels under the name Our Resolute Hope.